is that not the best voice you've ever heard in your life? Like, he says it, and I'm like, I believe you. He is God with us, you know? It's like, did they get Gandalf to narrate that? Anyways, hey, y'all. My name is Meredith. That is not my voice. Uh, This is my voice, and I am on the teaching team here. And I just wanted to start today with two announcements before we really get in to the thick of things, two very important announcements. And the one, the first one is at the end of the gathering today, I just really want to encourage you to not leave until the gathering is fully over. Because we've got a very exciting announcement about two church plants that we as a church are going to get to plant in 2024. And we're going to share the names and the family. You can clap. This is exciting. This is our vision of we want to be a church that plants churches. And I encourage you just as like a fellow member of the church and as a pastor, but also like these families are like two of my best friends. Just don't leave, okay? Just honor my friends and just stay. Okay, that's the first announcement. Second announcement, um, you know, Dan made a statement last week that I just want to extend a formal withdrawal and say this, Team Realtree, all day, Every day, and my only, this is the only point I'm going to make, did Jesus die on a real tree or a fake tree? That's all I'm saying. That is all I'm going to propose. Let the Holy Spirit do what he needs to do, and that's it. No, seriously, I'm coming at Dan, but can we honor and thank Dan for the word that he brought last week to kick off this God with us season? Because really I think Christmas is just a call to awareness that God is indeed with us. And so I want to pick off where I want to pick up where he left off last week. This is kind of his main point of the message and it's this. God wants to be with you and God made you to be with him. Is this not an unbelievable reality? That the God of the universe, the maker of heaven and earth, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who spoke and light burst forth, that same voice leans in close to us today and says, I want to be with you. This is one of the main themes of scripture. Dan pointed this out last week, but in Genesis, we see God makes Adam and Eve, why? To do life with him, to expand the kingdom with him from then all the way to the very end, the very last book of scripture and revelation, it says that our eternal reality is gonna be, behold, God's dwelling place is where? With his people. This is our promise. But here's my question today. Why does it always feel like God is with us? Anybody else ever ask this question? Come on now, I'm, I have asked this question, I do ask this question, like, if God is actually with us, why does the world look the way it does? Why don't, all, why don't I always feel like the presence and the power of God is with me? You know what, one time I asked him to speak, I was desperate for him to speak, and I feel like he wasn't with me. What do we do with that question? And so my, uh, kind of the direction of the message today, what I hope to encourage you with is this, God wants to be with you, God made you to be with him, do you want to be with him? Scripture is very clear 
that God being with us is not in question. God's promise of presence is not going anywhere. So often where the gap lies is in our awareness of his presence, right? So all day long, I'm going to give us some things to kind of encourage us in this direction. I would, have, I would encourage you to write some things down, whether on the app or on your phone or in a notebook, because I don't know if it's raining in every part of the state today, but we woke up here and it's all rainy. And, you know, the Christmas cheer just feels a little dampened in the rain, um, no pun intended. And I would just say, sometimes it's easier to stay engaged when you write some stuff down, okay? But God is with us. Do we want to be with him? And I would say the difference between being with someone and being present with someone is awareness. I'm with you, but I'm not aware of what's going on. I'm not aware of what you're saying. I'm not aware of your emotions. I'm not socially aware. Don't point at anybody. They wouldn't be aware anyways. And can I just tell you, like, I'm not coming at anybody. Hey, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but i got to make a confession. It's been weighing on me. And i got to tell you, I think some of us could be a lot more aware if we just put the Apple Watch in the trash. That's all I'm saying. I'm not coming at you, but I hate them. And here's why. Because you ever been talking to somebody? Again, I ain't coming at you. I'm just saying, maybe when you're with people, put it on Do Not Disturb. Take it off. Put it in your pocket. Because y'all be doing this. I'm talking to you just... It drives me nuts. It's also like, why did they make that the feature if you just smack the mess out of your wrist to turn it off? Also, between last service and this service, I legit am going to have a bruise on my wrist. It's okay. It'll be a reminder of awareness everywhere I am. But it's just because it's, come on now, the world is full of distractions. Everything in our lives, from the watches around our wrists to the news articles to, come on, even the theologian of Christmas. You've heard this theological statement. All the who's down in Whoville. The girls and the boys. They'll wake in the morning and they'll run to their toys. Then, oh, the noise. Oh, the noise, 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 noise. You know? Can y'all give me a little bit of credit on my impersonation? Dear gosh. You're like, is that Psalms? I've never, never heard that one. But come on, this is what Christmas feels like, but... Can I make another proposition? That actually Christmas is one of the greatest calls to the awareness of God's presence here with us. My hope is that we leave here and actually every twinkling light, every carol caroled, every hall decked, every gift given, every meal shared around the table is actually, whether the Western consumerist culture realizes it or not, is calling our spiritual awareness to the reality that God is with us. And it's so important to not only know that God is with us, but to be aware that we can be with him because y'all know we act different based on, who, based on whose different presence is with us. Parents, you be acting different when your kids are in the room. You spell more words. You eat your meals in a closet because you're like, if I walk out of here with the scent of cookie on my breath, that's the end. And I will never eat a meal by myself again. You know you act different when you're aware your boss's presence is in the room. Few students, I love you. And I love how you just kind of act all big until your mama walks in. Awareness. And not only like, you know, maybe the negative or funny sides, but like, do y'all have those people, their presence walks in, and when you're aware of their presence, just like peace overwhelms you. 
I've talked about her before, and I don't care. Jen Keister is over here. When she walks into the room, she loves it. When she walks into the room, I'm just like, peace is here. Just like fall into her. Because I'm aware a different presence just walked in. And I believe that what if we could live with the everyday reality that we would be permeated with the reality that God is with us. And I'm telling you, it's possible. So our call to awareness today actually comes from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. We've read it a few times already, which I'm so thankful for. And this is from the prophet Isaiah. Um, shout out to Fuse. We also talked about Isaiah on Wednesday. So y'all getting a double portion of Isaiah this week. He's a good one. There's like, by the way, many scholars call Isaiah the fifth gospel because he is quoted in the New Testament more than any other prophet because he talked about the coming Messiah so much. So I double dog dare you this week to go read through Isaiah and just see if you can't pick out the ones that are pointing to Christ. They're everywhere. Okay. So Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, this prophet heralds about the birth of Jesus by saying this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Everybody just take a deep breath. That's the God who is with us. There's an old theologian that says the greatest desires of man are satisfied in the mere names of Jesus. Two chapters earlier in Isaiah chapter 7 is the first time that Isaiah heralds his name will be Emmanuel, and that lets us know God is with us. These names reveal to us that not just how God is with us, but who God is with us. For these names are not just his title, they are the essence of who he is. He is with you because he is wonderful counselor. He is mighty God. He is everlasting father. He is prince of peace. So often our gap is only in our awareness. The essence of who he is is portrayed in his names. Like many of us, that's not really how we use names anymore. Like my name is Meredith, that means guardian of the sea. I'm not present with you as a mermaid today. That'd be awesome. When I was 12, I really thought it was going to be true. Still kind of sad at 35 that it's not. But we're just not really named that way anymore. I'm like, I'm displaying to you the essence of who I am. When God gives his name in scripture, he's showing this is the essence of who I am. The essence of the reality of the God I want to be with you. So today my prayer is that we would get to know Jesus by his names and that we'd be called into a beautiful awareness that these four names are the reality of a God who is with us every day, everywhere, with everyone. Amen? So let's walk through these four names together. We're going to end with a time of prayer, and I'm believing there's going to be some awareness happening in every room. So number one, the name of God that is with us. God is with us as the wonderful counselor. God is with us as wonderful counselor. You'll go ahead and write that down. That word, let's start with the word counselor. Oh, man. The camera switched. I was trying to, okay, that one. Whoop, wonderful counselor. Let's start with the name counselor because that is comforting for some, scary for others. Hey, team counseling. Anybody else team counseling in the room? Professional counseling is used by God. That's actually, you didn't know, that's the official national jingle for counseling. And um, 
The reason why I believe that God reveals himself first in this passage as counselor is because, I need you to hear me, church. I need you to hear me every campus. There has been and there is a spiritual all-out war going on for our brains. There is an all-out battle being waged, whether you are aware of it or not, of how we think. Because the enemy knows how we think is how we will act, is how we will live, is who we will become. And church, it is time for us to think about how we think. Because we are being counseled at all times. If you don't believe me, again, look back to the narrative of a scripture. In the very beginning, the enemy comes to Eve as a counselor. And he counsels her to the reality that life apart from God and his commands are better than life with God within his commands. And he's been doing the same thing ever since. Come on now, the same old tired play. Because make no mistake, the enemy is crafty, but he is not creative. He has nothing new. So he keeps using the same play of teaching us lies, of counseling our mind. He's gotten so good at using every scheme of the world to counsel our minds to not be consumed with the mind of Christ, but to be counseled with the mindset of the world. And we're being called back into the awareness that we get a wonderful counselor. Because look at just a few of the names of the enemy, okay? Hopefully this is an awareness today of what's going on in the world. These are some names given to the enemy in scripture. Listen, accuser, adversary, thief, deceiver, enemy, evil one, lawless one, liar, murderer, ruler of darkness, ruler of this world, tempter, father of lies. The enemy is a great counterfeit counselor trying to do all he can to twist our minds to think not like Christ, but to think like the world. From birth, this evil counselor has been trying to counsel us away from life with God. If the world dwindled into sin, was broken because of the work of an evil counselor, would it not make sense that the only way we would be healed and reunited to our right selves is through the guidance of a wonderful counselor? And I'm telling you, you have the presence of a wonderful counselor with you at all times, anywhere, with anyone. And if you want to know, am I listening to the wonderful counselor or to the counterfeit counselor, then I would propose this to you. Whatever consumes your mind has become your counselor. And I mean this as like lovingly, But as directly as I can, some of us are calling God out for not being with us when the only tools we're putting into our brain are are only the tools the enemy can use. How is the spirit supposed to call to mind the truth of God if we are never putting the truth of God into our mind? If you're wondering, why can't I get any peace? Why can't I? I don't know. Maybe stop doom scrolling for two hours. And I'm saying, I deleted Instagram this weekend because I just, you know it was consuming me, and I hate to admit it, but it's time to confess. I couldn't stop looking at the relationship between Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. I know. Listen, it may sound funny, 
But if you don't think that even little things like that are trying to counsel you somewhere, you're missing it. And if anger is welling up inside of you because I'm coming at Taylor Swift, ask where that's coming from. Listen, I love Tay-Tay, but great bop, terrible God. You know what I'm saying? That's all I'm saying. Dang, it's quiet. Y'all okay? Got some massive Swifties in here. But maybe it's whatever's consuming your mind is a political party. Guidance from a boyfriend or girlfriend. Your job or money. Friends or family. And this is, I'm not saying that we shouldn't receive counsel from trusted friends and family. But I am saying that anytime you have a thought, you need to ask this question. Who is the counselor behind this counsel? Your friend gives you advice, even though they're trusted, ask, who is the counselor behind this counsel? My friend P.T. Lee, who's from Greenville, shout out P.T. Lee, he leads our interns here at New Spring. He has this great guide to give to us. And he says this, whenever you have a thought, put in Christ at the end of it. And if that doesn't make sense, then that's from the counterfeit counselor. So for example, not that I've ever thought this. Man, that is a garbage person in Christ. Oh, no, that'll quite fit, does it? How about this when you look in the mirror? Gosh, I am worthless in Christ. I hate that person in Christ. Who's the counselor behind that counsel? Please, church, it is time for the church to get desperate, to learn the voice of God again as revealed in his word through his Holy Spirit. I cannot teach you the voice of God. I wasn't made to be a Holy Spirit helper. But Jesus said, I am sending a helper and he will call to remembrance what I have said to you. Please, church, I am begging the Holy Spirit to raise up a desperation in us that we would become consumed with the word of God. This word has saved my mind. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and my belief in that has saved my soul. His word has saved my mind. It's living and active. We are going to do everything to give you resources. We're going to try to preach the best messages we can. We've got, goodness sakes, a plethora of uh, devotionals that you can choose from. But if we don't utilize them, if we don't put them in our hearts, then what is the Holy Spirit going to call to mind? This counsel, it's wonderful, and I'm inviting you in. Be aware and dig in this Christmas. Amen? All right, we got to move on to number two. God is with us as the mighty God. You know what song just came to mind? What a mighty God we serve. Who grew up in church? Come on. What a mighty God we serve. Only me. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. That's a tamarine. Um. Wow, that just like, spirit of my youth just inhabited my brain. Maybe this is a uh, redundant thing to say to us, but I need to remind all of us that Jesus is, in fact, almighty God. And again, I'll go first in being honest that sometimes I'm very comfortable with Jesus revealing himself as wonderful counselor. I'm, I feel very good about him revealing himself as everlasting father and as a prince of peace. But what are you going to do when Almighty God enters the room? The one who holds eternity in his hand. The omniscient, all-powerful, omnipotent one. 
So this is what I mean by saying that God is with us as almighty God. And some of you, this is going to make you a little bit mad, and maybe it needs to. Just going to sting a little bit. And it is this reality. You can do nothing on your own. You can't. It's impossible. And if you're anything like me who grew up very competitive, I have two older brothers, anything you can do, I can do better. Like that's how I grew up. And you know what happened when I started learning the reality that I can do nothing without Almighty God? I felt free. Because I realized I don't have to be strong for God. All he wants me to do is submit to him. You can do nothing on your own. It's impossible. I don't only know this because of my testimony. I know this because of the testimony of Jesus Christ himself as he was walking on the earth. He says this in John 5, 19 through 20. Look. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do what? Nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. Jesus himself revealed a life of utter desperation. That his source of strength came from communion and constant relationship with the father. Look at his last prayer in John 17 as he's about to go to the cross. He is telling God, I don't know if I can do this, but not my will, but yours be done. There's this beautiful song out right now by Brooke Lizardwood that I would encourage you to go listen to. It's called Like Incense. And one of the lyrics she says is, let love keep my will on its knees. The life of strength is found in a life of submission. Jesus is proof. So I have a prayer I want to give to you that I've been trying to pray, that when you're feeling a little worn down, a little incapable, a little weak, or dare I say, if you're feeling a little too capable, a little too like into your own opinions, a little too strong of your own will, then I'd say this is a great prayer to pray, okay? Almighty God, what am I trying to hold on to that you want me to give to you? You are God, I am not, I trust you. This could be a sin, it could be a responsibility, it could be a person. But just ask God and I believe the Spirit will show you. Okay? He is with us as Almighty God. Number three, God is with us as the everlasting Father. He is with us as everlasting Father. Now, at face value, this may seem like ridiculous redundant because, or excuse me, confusing because you're saying, wait, like Jesus, I thought Jesus was the son. Now you're saying Jesus is the father, is the father, the son, and the son's the father. My Trinitarian theology is getting all messed up. I don't understand. Okay. This is not saying that Jesus is the father. What this is saying, the Hebrew words here reveal that the everlasting father is referenced to someone who wrote eternity, sustains time, and destines time. In the cultures of that time, like other religions, they would call their most high God the father of years, and it meant the same thing. So they would have understood what Isaiah was saying. To say that someone is everlasting father means that they wrote time, they sustained time, and they destined time. Make sense? Now, here's what's crazy about the fact that God, Jesus, is with us as everlasting father. In the beginning of Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6, it says he is sent as a child and he is sent as a son. This is mind-blowing. 
This is not meant to just be redundant and is saying that God enters into time as a child while having the perspective of all time. So what I love about Jesus, Hebrews says that he experienced everything that we do, that he can look us in the eyes no matter what we're going through, and he can say both, I understand what you're going through, and I have a greater perspective. To know that everlasting Father is with us is to know that there is someone with us who always knows better. We get the great gift of perspective, a God who was inside time, but has the perspective of all time. Parents, you can understand a little bit of this reality, right? No shade to 14-year-olds. I believe in you. That's why I'm at Fuse all the time. I am on your side. However, don't y'all wish you were 14 and knew everything? No offense, my guy, you're a great man. That's all I'm saying. But parents, you know that you're just like, if I could just, I have a little bit more perspective. You know what I'm saying? I have a little bit more things that I could reveal to you. Some of us, it's time for us to grow up in our faith a little bit and stop idolizing, trying to have all the answers. But to know there's a God with us who has all of them, and he's not always going to share the answers, but he promises to be with us. Did you know that in Jesus' earthly ministry, oh, hold on, I want to get the numbers right, because I know we got some fact checkers, and I respect it, and I want you to check them. All right. Jesus was asked in scripture 183 questions. It's a lot of questions. Some of you are like, I asked that many this morning, you know. Do you know how many he asked in return? 307. So he was asked 183. He asked in return 307. Do you know how many he answered directly? Three. Why? Is it because he's cruel? No. Is it because he covets having all the knowledge? No. It's because if I only give you answers without giving you questions, then when I give you the answer, you'll walk away. But questions invite more conversation, which invites more relationship, which leads to greater intimacy, which is the whole point of life is to live it with God. And I, I say this with a little bit of fear and trembling, but I, I think this is just going to be encouraging to some people at some campus. Silence is also a great gift from God. Because if I can't hear you, what am I going to do? What? I'm going to get closer and closer and closer because I'm desperate to hear if you have to say something. The silence of God is not a rejection to you. It is an invitation. Come closer. Come closer, come closer, come closer. All I want to do is be with you. His invitation today is just don't walk away, stay with me. I have the perspective of time, walk with me in it. This is so encouraging. Because I believe the result of this is we experience the reality of the fourth name God gives us, which is God is with us as the Prince of Peace. Can anybody use a little extra peace? Man, if you wanted to wrap that up and, like, give it to me for Christmas, that'd be great. But this peace that Isaiah's talking about, it's not like a self-help peace. It's not even like a feeling of peace. It's not a self-care kind of peace. It's not a self-medicated kind of peace. It is a word called shalom. 
which the definition for peace in Hebrew is shalom. It means wholeness, safety, contentment, and friendship. What a promise that we have that kind of peace with us. And we don't get just some of that peace. We have the prince of peace, the chief presiding officer over peace, the delegator of peace, the ruler of peace, the possessor of all peace, the very person of peace himself is with us. But again, why doesn't it always feel like we have peace, right? Because it's loud out here. I already talked about the Grinch. Noise, 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 noise. You know the human brain was not meant to contain the sheer mass of bad news that we receive nowadays? The reason it feels so crippling is because God literally didn't knit your body together to be able to hold that amount of bad news. You can just turn the show off. Turn the news off for a second. Your biology is trying to tell you, I can't handle this. But to train us how to like get into the presence of peace, again, a day is a call to awareness. That call to awareness to kind of end today, I want to talk about muscle memory. Okay, everybody knows what muscle memory is? Just kind of shake your head at me. Cool. Uh, one of the greatest like memories my muscles have is how to swing a bat. I played softball growing up. I played softball in college. And now I haven't swung a bat in two years. If I did, my back would probably just protrude out of the flesh on my side. You know, I'd be like, and that was how Mare went. She just tried to swing a bat one more time. But if you were to hand me a bat right now, my body just remembers. Because I have swung a bat no less than 1.8 trillion times in the backyard with my dad. If you're watching, I love you. You're a great coach. But, man, we swung the bat a lot of times. It was so that when I got in the game, I didn't have to think about it anymore. My muscles just remembered. They knew how to swing at a curveball. They knew how to... I say they knew how to swing at a changeup, but I would whiff all day long at a changeup. My muscles never remembered how to swing at that. But did you know that your muscles are not the only thing that hold memory? Your spiritual and emotional selves also have muscle memory. So meaning, whatever you keep going to for peace is what you will have to keep going to for peace. It is literally like a neural pathway is being blazed in your brain, a rut of remembrance that if I keep going to alcohol for peace, my brain says, that's where we go for peace. If I keep going to vegging out on shows after work because it feels like relief and peace, my brain will learn a rut of remembrance that that's where I go for peace. Pick your poison. And what I learned through counseling is that what you have to do is interrupt the thought pattern because what the Spirit of God wants to do is not just retrain our spiritual selves, but our literal physical biology to realign with a spiritual reality. So you have to interrupt the thought so that a new neural pathway is blazed to go somewhere different for peace, okay? So I'll tell you a tool from counseling that I'm giving to you for free today. You don't even have to go pay for it. I was going through something at the time, something had happened, and it was causing like a physical response. And it would come to mind, and I, I was getting like panic attacks, I was having massive anxiety. And so I was talking to my counselor about it, and she was like, what we have to do is interrupt that thought. So what I want you to do, whenever you start to feel that panic or think that thought, wherever you are, I want you to stop, because what you do with your physical body and with your words can actually retrain your brain. So whenever that thought was coming up, I would stop and I would go, we're done with that. 
the little hand motion and say it out loud was important. Now, in my car and in my house by myself, fine. When it happened in Target, a little bit more awkward. I'm not kidding. I was in Target one day and it started happening and I just had to. Guess I'll have this candle. Thank you so much. It's time to start calling our own selves to awareness. Did you know you can command your soul? In the Psalms it says, return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. And one just very practical thing I've been doing, not just to, that one thought pattern was one thought pattern. But there's something I've been doing to call my soul to a spiritual reality of God is with me. So I wanted us to, I wanted to share this with you and then I want us to do it together to close today. But one thing I was doing, I literally did it side stage just now. People are like, do you still get nervous? Yes, every time I get nervous. So I'm on the side stage and what I've been doing when I start to feel that stress, when I start to feel that lack of peace, the noise, noise, noise. I stop, I put my hand over my heart, I take a deep breath and I simply say, God is with me. And it calls my mind and my body to remembrance of there's a greater reality than what the counterfeit counselor is trying to tell me. So I wanna invite you now, if you will, and just this Christmas, just do this with me, okay? I want you to think about whatever's weighing heaviest on you right now. Now I want you to put your hand on your heart. Let's take a deep breath. And everybody say, God is with me. Let's do it one more time. Whatever that thing is, hand on your chest, deep breath. And say, God is with me. is with you, church, as a wonderful counselor who never counsels to manipulate, who never counsels to control, who never counsels with malice. He counsels individually. He knows what you need. God is with you as a wonderful counselor. He is with you as a mighty God, the beginning and the end, the source of wisdom, the one who wrote, the one who sustains, the one who destines time. He is with you. He is with you as everlasting Father, the one with all strength and power who rules the world and yet is with us in real time. You do not have to be strong for him. You just get to submit and then the strength of God takes over. Everlasting Father is with you. Prince of peace, chief presiding officer over peace, the one who purchased peace with his very own outpouring of blood on a cross so that you would never have to know a day where you are alone. That God is with you. When Jesus gave up his life on a cross, because lest we forget he came as a baby, but he gave up his life as a grown man so he could reign eternally for a king. When he poured out his blood on the cross, it wasn't just to save us from our sins. It wasn't just to send us on a mission. It wasn't just so we could say, I'm a Christian. It was so we could be reunited to our greatest treasure, God himself. Make no mistake, church. Life with God is not the means to the end. It is the end itself. He just wants to be together. So here's how we're going to close today. I have a, a prayer I want to put up. 
And this is a daily prayer, but I thought it'd be good before we move. And maybe you do need to come receive prayer. Like sometimes one of the greatest realities that God is with us is another human puts a hand on a shoulder, prays into our ear and reminded God's with you. Maybe you do need to take communion, the blood. I love that Jesus gave us something to taste and smell as a reminder that he's with us. Maybe you do need to stand and worship, but what I'm gonna ask is a local leader is gonna come out and lead us in response, but we're gonna sit with this prayer for a little bit. And before you move and before you sing or before you do anything else, I would say, please sit with this prayer. I'm praying the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will rest upon you. So here's the prayer. God, make me aware of your presence every day, everywhere, with everyone. All I want is to be with you. And I'm just going to pray this over us. Like I said, a leader's going to come out, but let's sit with this prayer. And I would encourage you, hey, tomorrow morning when you wake up, sit with this prayer. When you're driving to work, God, make me aware of your presence every day, everywhere, with everyone. I don't know, when you're washing the dishes, going to the thrift store, whatever. God, make me aware. So let me pray this for us. Someone will be out to lead, and then we're going to sit with this prayer. God, if you would put your hand on your heart, let's, let's keep praying this together. Wonderful counselor, almighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, make us aware of your presence. Speak where you need to speak. Give us ears to hear. Make us comfortable with the silence. No one gets an invitation closer. Give us a hunger for your word. Give us a sensitivity to the spirit. Every day, everywhere, with everyone. All we want is to be with you. In Jesus' name, amen. What a brilliant truth. He wants to be where we are, and we want to be where he is. Church, would you help me thank Meredith for that great word of encouragement. Thank you, sister. And uh, I'm going to actually get you guys to take a seat for just a moment because we're going to make a couple of announcements right here that we've been looking forward to. I also want to give you permission if you're out shopping today and uh, you just you just need to get that hand signal going, right? We're done with that. <laughs> we'll all know what each other mean when we see each other. That's a, that's a very, very good practical uh, piece of equipment in these days of noise, 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 noise. We're done with that. But uh, church, we're in an overflow offering, and you guys know this because uh, before the 9.15 this morning, we all already had already 1,300 families that have already participated in the overflow offering, which is fantastic. So I want to look at you and say thank you. We're grateful that we get to be a part of a church that is together and pursuing what God is doing in the earth. We don't just come to church on a Sunday, but we are the people of God building the kingdom of God right here, and I just want to say thank you. Uh, And if you're new with us at New Spring, or maybe perhaps leaned in over the last couple of months, let me tell you where this overflow offering came from. In 2020, three years ago, the elders of this church 
made the decision that we were gonna we were gonna aim at a mission of three specific goals. And that first goal was we were going to commit to getting out of debt. And last February, we did that. You did that. So we celebrate that. We're out of debt. We don't have any building debt. Uh, and which praise God, which means that every single dollar that we are giving in tithes and offerings, we can use for the glorious mission of uh, building his church. And so we have a couple of campuses that are still in a load-in, load-out rental facility, and one of those is in Aiken, South Carolina. So this year's overflow offering, we have said very clearly, we are going to get Aiken, South Carolina into a permanent facility. We already own the property, and we're ready to build that facility. It's a $15 million building. Hello. Uh, those things aren't cheap, but we believe that God is going to use that facility and the team there to continue to reach the community. If you go and visit the Aiken campus, you will know they are behind an Ollie's, y'all. Ollie's is great for buying cheap Christmas presents. It's not necessarily great for having church behind it and we are out of room and so we are in that rental facility until we get them in this permanent home which we're going to be able to do so this year the majority of our overflow offering is going towards that but today I want to tell you what the other portion is going towards we additionally made the commitment in 2020 that we were going to be about planting churches now moment of clarity I'm not talking about building new new spring campuses we're talking about sending out church planters independent to be their own church and we just are going to support them and cheer them on and see God do exactly what he told us to pray for in Luke chapter 10 in verse 2. The disciples come to Christ. They're standing there after he's talked to a lady who goes back into town and shares what Jesus does for her at this well. All these people come walking out to meet Jesus and he says, look, the fields are white for the harvest. So the problem isn't the fields full of harvest. He says, we need to pray for something. Do you remember what we were called to pray for, church? We're called to pray for laborers, workers. Well, the good news is God has been answering that prayer here at New Spring. And as we plant 10 churches, we planted our first last year. and We told you about it in Kenya. But I want to tell you about two more here today. The next one I want to tell you about is going to be led by Pastor Chris and his wife Kathleen Dew. Here's their photo right here. Now, what's crazy is I saw Chris and Kathleen walk in the service somewhere. They're in the building. Chris, wave at me. Where are you at? Right over here. They're, they're right there. So about the fifth row back on the outside if you want to say hello to them. Let me tell you the story about Chris real quick. You can find out more about this. But in 2010, Chris met Jesus at a Christmas service at New Spring. In 2010, 13 years ago. And many of you at the Florence campus will know about this because it was at your campus, Florence. He came in as a member of a rehabilitation group that comes to church. And he would tell you this. He was an addict, a heroin addict. They met Jesus at New Spring Church. God changed his life. Sorry, I can't talk about these guys because these are not just people on a screen. These are real people that met Jesus right here at this church. And he'll tell you this, he couldn't speak, he had a speech impediment, he, he was literally a mute person. And God gave him the ability to preach. And so now for the last 13 years, he's been going out 
and preaching at rehabs, in prisons, as an evangelist. He's a gifted evangelist. He's preached in our student ministry. He's he shared his story here. He met his wife here. They've got two beautiful daughters. And now they're going to go and plant a church in St. Petersburg, Florida. And they're going to do it with the overflow offering that you and I are participating in this year. So I just wanted you to see Chris and Kathleen and get to know a bit of their story. In addition to that, I want you to think about this. Who are you inviting to church? Because 13 years from now, they may be planning a church, right? So take advantage of this Christmas opportunity to invite. Now, the next church planner I want to put before you, you'll know them as well. They're not strangers to New Spring Church. They both have worked here on staff, but this is Josh and Taylor Bull. Josh and Taylor Bull, they're also, they were in the service earlier. They may be in the room too, I have no idea. But Josh and Taylor came to us years ago from the northeastern part of Australia. They're going back to Australia to the city of Melbourne, and they're going to plant a church in Melbourne, Australia, y'all. And uh, they're going to take the good news down there. And it's been incredible to watch how God has used them here with our student ministry, our Next Generations ministry, and they're going to go and plant church there in Melbourne, Australia. And so I wanted you to see the faces of the folks that you are supporting as you give to the overflow offering. I want you to hear me. Church, thank you. Thank you for participating in giving. What in the world could we give to that is of more value than the eternal value of the church? The good news of the gospel that's going to change people's lives, not for 10 years, 50 years, but for all of eternity. And so as you prepare to give this overflow season, I wanted you to know about them because that's who you're going to be supporting. Uh, here's where you can find out more of that information. You can literally use your phone right now and text the word overflow to 30303. You can see the stories of Aiken and hear more about our church planting efforts. And if you want to hear more about the stories of the Dew family and the Bulls, we're going to be sharing them in our Need to Know email, okay? Uh, that comes out every Monday morning. The way you can sign up for the Need to Know email is just text the word Need to Know to that number 30303. We'll send an email out tomorrow morning. Uh, and it'll tell you a little bit more about it. It'll also tell you who's going to preach this coming Sunday, which you're here, so... You're going to find this out. Clayton King's preaching next week. You're going to be excited about that. And uh, you can find out what God is doing in your church. So, hey, y'all, can we give the Lord a hand for raising up some workers right here, these laborers? We're excited. And just on behalf of the pastors and elders of your church, I want you to know I am as confident in the do's and the bulls as we could ever be in a couple going to plant church. You might need to pray about going. You might need to pray about what God is doing and stirring in your heart because if we believe the Great Commission, we can't be a people who are committed to staying. We've got to be a people that are committed to going. Amen? Amen. Would you stand to your feet for a blessing, a benediction, and then we'll send you out. When I drop my girls off at school, I always ask them a question. I say, girls, why are you blessed? And their response is really simple, to be a blessing. So New Spring Church, let me ask you a question. Why are you blessed? Why are you blessed? Go and be a blessing this week. The church is leaving the building. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless.